Welcome to the E6S Method Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical world of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number 188, we break the rules. This was an episode I had retrieved from the trash bin, dusted off, and decided to serve up again. We recorded it years ago, but could never get the company's branding department to okay the content. So I removed all the brand-related messaging and disguised the voice of the guest. I hope you enjoy it. I hope I don't get in trouble for it. Our guest shares his insight for a large legacy IT systems overhaul, how they rebounded from a failure, and what it took to be successful. If you're just tuning in for the first time, find all our back episodes on our podcast table of contents at e6s-methods.com. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. We have hit a point in our podcast where I'd like to open up the box. I mean, there's obviously Lean and Six Sigma, Operational Excellence, or any kind of continuous improvement. I, I feel that our listeners can or have more content or contributions to provide us and maybe even enlighten some of the listeners on how they feel about certain topics, just not what we think about those things. So if we could get a brave soul willing to come on the podcast... Would love to hear of unique ways that people have used maybe a different tool, best practice, or even better, a lesson learned from maybe a poor execution of a tool. Go to our website, www.e6s-methods.com. Click on the button that says call for content. Let us know what you'd like to share. Welcome to the e6s methods podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much, Aaron, for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. And uh, before we get too far, um, tell us a little bit about what program was intended to um, what what problem was it trying to solve, and can you give us some background on that? Yeah, absolutely. So basically, uh, Aaron, what we had is a, a rather heterogeneous uh, systems and process landscape, which is a result of many many years of you know mergers, emergers, consolidation of offices. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, uh, what we end up with is with something that is very costly to maintain something that creates challenges when it comes to, uh, to making changes uh, without a ton of effort or money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it impairs your speed and agility. That is one of our main guiding principles. We want to provide our customers and dealers an experience that is commensurate with our brand's food. The problem we were trying to solve is, on the one hand, the, the harmonization of our core receivables system, which is the, the center, the core of our landscape. So yeah. think of it as... Uh, Three very large applications, uh, two mainframe, one mid-range, which were highly customized over the course of 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And then around this uh, three core systems, you know, north of 100 other applications were built to be able to support the entire value chain of our business, uh, all the way from you know credit approvals, funding, servicing our loans, our accounts, taking care of our customers. Uh, and ultimately, uh, the end-of-life processes. This created some challenge for us, and, and this is something that we knew was a, a much-needed first step to then put a lot of uh, you know focus on our digital transformation, which is what we are in the midst of doing right now. Um, challenges, I would say, one, unlike most captive finance companies, Aaron, we service both consumer portfolio and commercial portfolio, and each okay. of them has distinct requirements. Uh, in terms of functionality, uh, regulatory compliance, uh, and overall, all the way down to you know capabilities of, of the solution. So we we set out to find a solution, and we were pretty open-minded about the fact that we may or may not 
find a one uh, solution for all of our, our of our needs. Right. We ended up finding that solution. The tool, the capabilities of the tool, the workflow capabilities, uh, business rules engine, multi-asset, multi-currency, as well as the delivery track record of the partner uh, were all deciding factors. So we went through a very structured and very thorough selection process. The other piece, as, as you know from experience, that was very, very uh, challenging was the integration effort. That was a very large percent of our total effort. That is not only from a you know heterogeneous nature of all the technology stacks that we had to integrate with, but also uh, we had to do some other optimizations around the score systems to make it successful. So you know things like um, a, 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 an enterprise service bus had to be put in place to enable service-oriented architecture. Uh, we had to do some some work around our our common tax engine because we had different tax engines for the old systems. Um, from a loan origination standpoint, we had again different systems for the legacy um, applications that we had to replace. So there were quite a bit of additional um, renovations or, or replacements or changes that had to be done and coordinated in, in a rather complex landscape. So it truly took a ton of strong sponsorship all the way from, from the top of the house, all, all of our executive leadership to the very last employee. And uh, that was a, a five-year journey that spent okay. us again offices, departments, and so on. So beauty of it is now that it's completed, we have a single application for uh, all of our, you know, loans. The data structure was, was re-architected as well. Uh, we do have a service-oriented architecture as well to enable a lot of our uh, touch points with customers and dealers and mm-hmm. bring a lot of you know, speed to market uh, with things that our customers demand. That is the, the outcome. It wasn't perfect by any stretch. You right. know, it's incredibly complex. Uh, yet, uh, I would say from an industry standpoint, there aren't many implementations of this size and complexity that are successful. So, yeah, you must have known that starting off. Uh, so, what sort of things did you do to prepare for such a large transformation, which I imagine was somewhat painful to uh, in, in other ways, right? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> The, f- the first step, and, and I still think that this was a necessary step, is we, we tried once and, and we, we failed. And um, the first time around, the, the scale was a little bit different. We weren't quite you know, focused on, on, on the region. We were more focused on a global level. Mm-hmm. We knew that that carried a different set of risks because it's very hard to solve business issues across multiple regions with, with a single platform. It is already challenging within one market, let alone uh, multiple markets. You know, there's all kinds of differences in terms of how the contracts are, are handled, interest is calculated, um, taxes, etc. So mm-hmm. what we got out of that experience, though, is, and, and when I say we, is uh, my colleague and a good friend, he's now the CIO of our company, we, we worked together both on the first attempt that didn't work out and uh, in the Nexus program. Uh, but we, we took tremendous value and learnings out of it. Uh, we truly believe, I truly believe that it prepared us to, to lead to, to a successful completion. And uh, we learn a lot um, in, in so many respects, you know, in terms of who to involve in the decision making to select the tool. Definitely contain the scope. That was a big, big learning. Mm-hmm. Making sure that, uh, you know, even as tempting as it is to move a little bit to the right or to the left when it comes to, to the footprint of the application, you have to be 
sensible so that you don't make it too big that it's an unmanageable. I think we had people, a lot of people learnings, you know, in terms of stakeholder management, communication, change management, organizational readiness, mm-hmm. um, and definitely making sure that we had a partner that, you know, was going to be able to, to integrate with our culture very seamlessly to, to adhere to our values, what we believe in, and that had a proven uh, track record from a delivery standpoint. I mean, right. we further strengthen certain parts uh, for phase two, and especially uh, our change readiness and our organizational change management capabilities, which we had in place from the get-go, right. but we very quickly determined that that was going to be a critical part of our success. And I truly believe that because of all those lessons learned that were very humbling at times, we, we were able to get everybody behind it and carry us through some very, very challenging moments uh, during the, the program. So your first time around, you know, you had a hard time getting it off the ground and your scope was too big. A lot of companies may have said, well, you know, that didn't work and uh, let's not try that again. So what what was the driving force to keep the commitment to to give it another shot and to try a new way? Yeah, I think um, as an organization, we have a pretty good culture mm-hmm. in, in terms of knowing that, that failure is, is a part of, of getting better. As painful as it was, we... I think took took good things out of it. So not only the experiences, but we were able to reuse the requirements that we did, which saved us about a year and a half uh, in the second time around. And uh, we always knew that it carried risks, but I think the culture was a pretty healthy one. You know, we weren't penalized. We were basically recognized. You guys took the risk. It didn't work out. So now tell us how, how you would do it differently this time around. And then we were empowered to basically drive the approach and, wanted to do it for the second time around, which actually made it even better. It was almost like being rewarded for that valor, if you will. Wonderful. That's good to hear. Had, had we not done that, Aaron, mm-hmm. I, I would doubt that uh, we would be where we are. I mean, I, I don't know what the statistics are industry-wide uh, from a successful completion, but uh, I do know that not often these things go well the first time around. It takes a couple of times. So and we also have to be very careful that we don't disrupt the operations, we don't disrupt um, any of our, our customers and so on. Right. So we need to make sure that when we do it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to really work out. Otherwise, you know, the risk, what's at stake, it's too high. We don't want right. to do it. Yeah, that sounds like a very mature approach that a lot of uh, companies, I think, uh, lack. So that's, um, that's kudos to your, your organization for, for sticking with it. They obviously knew it was important. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. And um, we enjoyed also as part of those learnings, you can't underestimate the value of a very strong partnership between your business and your IT functions. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me was absolutely critical that my, my colleague and I were absolutely aligned. We didn't always agree to everything, but we, we developed a pretty healthy mechanism to, you know, air out our differences, overcome them and move forward. And we were able to lead roughly team of three, 350 people in total, like in and out, depending on the phase and the, and the topic. We, we had an amazing group of, of very gifted individuals come together from everywhere, man. And, and at the end of the day, everybody was working towards what they knew was a goal bigger than themselves as individuals right. or as teams. And that, that was a pretty exhilarating experience. <laughs> so with all this said and done, at least, and, and you're still kind of early in in reaping the fruits of all your labor, 
what does uh, success look like in terms of how does this improve impact the customer and how does this impact uh, internal operations? Yeah, well, it definitely allows us to to focus on what we need to do now to take things to the next level, whereas others are still scrambling to try and define that. So let, let me rearticulate. We we basically froze a lot of our change that was non-essential because mm-hmm. of the stability we had to have in the environment to deliver on this project. But we've had a roadmap that has been you know further refined about a lot of the things that we, we want to do. The um, build the possibility to talk about you know the customer and the other journeys that that we have laid out now in in, in cooperation with our brands and our brand partners. And, and the possibility of what we can do right now and some of the turnaround time that we're seeing in some of our projects is, is quite remarkable, something mm-hmm. that we would never have been able to do before. There's some other you know, benefits in terms of there's oftentimes changes in terms of regulation or taxes and so on. So we would have had to do that in multiple systems before, multiple times over, you know, incurring a ton of expense and focus. And now we can dedicate that resource to primarily enhance our customer experiences. So we have now a series of, of journey maps for all of our different business models. Mm-hmm. We have personas. We have a number of, of ideas and things that we have identified that we would like to do. Right. And, uh, you know, the industry changes very quickly. Automotive industry, as you know right now, is, is turning into rather... Uh, a mobility solutions right. industry, and that's where you see a lot of the activity happening with all the big players. So mm-hmm. we feel we are we are in a very good position to to take that on and to continue to move our dealer and customer experience to a place uh, where, where we want to be, which is the best, and and that's commensurate to our brand value proposition. You know, and it I know it, it may sound um, you know pretty easy to do or conventional, but the the, the details behind the scenes to, to deliver on those experiences are, are many and, and you have to have the right foundation. And so I think the road ahead will, will continue to be challenging and uh, we still have some renovation to do, but I think we, we definitely have a very healthy portfolio of, of ideas and, and very concrete things that we want to do. And that is enabled by now having this big step behind us, right? right. So we can do a lot more right now and faster and and that is really, if, if you think about digital transformation and how fast a lot of the newcomers can move precisely because they don't have a lot of the legacy, mm-hmm. um, basically, we we are there. We are competing aggressively. You know, this is like, you know, being in good shape when you're an athlete versus mm-hmm. when you kind of slack off and you can't perform <laughs> at your highest level. So this is this is something that allows us to, to be fit and perform at the level that we want to be performing as an organization. And that's what makes it very unique and, and, and very powerful. But again, the work and the risk and the complexity, they're all still there. It's just we are able to get a lot more out of our efforts and our investments, right? It's like taking a, a 40-year-old me and uh, making me feel like I'm 20 again. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. If we can only hope. <laughs> We can only hope. <laughs> if you find a recipe, please let me know. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. Are you applying for professional certification in your field? You'll be happy to learn that all this time you've been streaming Jacob and me into your ears. 
You've also been earning Continuing Education Units, or CEUs, which can be applied toward most professional certifications. You can do your research, all the math, and figure out which episodes are applicable for which discipline, or you can save yourself the time and hassle and just order a CEU report from us. All you need to do is provide us with which episodes you've listened to, and we'll provide you with a portfolio including details about each episode and a certificate of recognition with a CEU breakdown by competency, including leadership, tactics and tools, strategy deployment, and principles and philosophies. So if you have certification on the mind, start here and save some time. Just go to e6s-methods.com slash CEU to order yours. So um, along with that, uh, what kind of uh, upskilling of your folks did you need to do to uh, meet the vision of the future for um, this new, new program that you have ongoing? Well, you know, when we, when we started, that's a great question. And um, when we started, we, we brought the team together and we analyzed, we identified three key competencies that were critical for our success. Uh, the first one was obviously subject matter expertise. You know, okay. uh, it is a very complex business, and you cannot underestimate that. We have, again, you know, regulatory, legal, compliance, customer KPIs. So, so there's, there's a lot of very important things. And mm-hmm. we knew we needed to have the best qualified individuals across the entire organization involved in the program, and we knew we needed them full-time. No questions. That was a non-negotiable. Okay. And starting with us from the leadership. So the SME was the first step, and we self-assessed based on you know the scope of the program and what type of subject matter expertise. And there, I mean, I can cite examples. We we have finance experts, tax experts, uh, technology experts in, in multiple areas, business experts across multiple processes, mm-hmm. uh, you know, brand experts, etc. We needed also the, the the mechanism to drive communications for the program, change management, and so on. We also wanted to prove, after the first attempt that didn't quite work out, we needed to prove that we could do that without, you know, hiring a very large firm to kind of help us do it and then lose that knowledge when they walk away. So it was a bit of a personal challenge, if you will. The second competency was uh, leadership, particularly centered around change leadership. Mm-hmm. So so we did partner with one of our local universities for the first go-round, and, and then we further um, develop the methods, the change management and the organizational readiness approach into a more organic and, and homegrown and repeatable method. That was the other objective. And so we basically help a lot of subject matter experts that were super strong in, in their in their craft mm-hmm. to also develop and grow as leaders. And that was one commitment we made to the team. You know, we took the team members outside of their day job and, and a rather stable type environment to be part of a high risk, high stakes, highly demanding project. So the least we could do was make sure that everybody was promised to that they would walk away better and that we would make the investments to, to make that happen. And so coaching was provided again both at the at the individual level and at the group level, depending on what the needs were. And then the third competency was project management skills. And there uh, you know we had strengths in, in some areas and we mm-hmm. had some gaps in other areas. And that's where we said, okay, uh, we can offer a couple of different things. If you want to grow your skills in project management, we hired coaches as well. And we will pair you up with a coach to help you grow and develop those skills. Now, if you, one, don't have the passion for that, or two, your subject matter topic is so complex and so big that you simply don't have the time, Mm -hmm. then we're just going to bring some PMs to, to augment the team, to live with you, 
And they all rolled up into a central project management office anyway, but we did provide basically every single team and work stream with as many resources as they needed. Smaller teams would be able to share one project manager, bigger teams would have their dedicated resource, but that way we were able to fulfill the three key competencies that, that we had identified based on also a team self-assessment where then everybody felt good that you know, it was not a top-down dictated, hey, you're going to take some project management lessons here, but rather they were convinced that they needed them and they saw why because they self-assessed and, and they knew, okay, if I don't acquire this skill, you know, I'm going to be challenged, so I better right. like, get on with the program. So that was the initial uh, approach to, to, to do that. Okay. Thank you for that. that. No, I think those are great. And for anybody who's building sort of a uh, a strong central organization like that, that sounds like a very nice and balanced approach to do it. Thanks, Aaron. I think that was that was important also to get the buy-in from from the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, you know, uh, we had a charter for the team that also we we came together and we defined how we wanted to operate as a team. What were, if you will, the rules of engagement of our or our contract with one another? And we, you know, make sure that everybody received that. We had we had this big thing on the wall. Everybody signed it. And you know, sometimes that will remind us that hey, uh, we all committed to you know show up in time for meetings and, mm-hmm. and keep the topics relevant and not take things personally. And, right. Um, and then you know my my role, Aaron, during this as a sponsor of the program was very very heavily focused on on the people side of things. Mm-hmm. Anywhere from making sure that we would secure all the right resources, um, that I would get the right support from all my colleagues to say hey we're going to need your three best people for five years. And you may not see a product out of that for at least two years, right. but I promise you it's going to be pretty cool and you're going to like it. And uh, and then keeping everyone engaged with the right intensity of communication throughout the five-year engagement without creating fatigue in the organization, right. but at the same time making sure that the stakeholders knew you know, what was going on, what's in it for them, and that they would get relevant, timely updates on things that, that they needed to hear and or when we needed some further support or to escalate something that we had the mechanisms and wouldn't be scrambling because, you know, these decisions and these issues and, and, and risk mitigation arise very quickly. So communication management and risk management of all the uh, the project management competencies, Aaron, were mm-hmm. the ones that uh, where I spent a ton of my time and my effort. And then motivation. I mean, that was huge. Right keep the team focused, motivated, moving decisions quickly, um, blocking and tackling, you know, right, uh, right. removing roadblocks, escalating uh, all the way to the very high levels of the organization, and then knowing that I had their backs, and also empowering them and getting out of the way. You know, mm-hmm. the path is clear. You just get out of the way and let them done. Um, but the PMO played a key role, too. You know, okay. Strong integration, making sure that we knew what everybody was doing without micromanaging and managing dependencies and collisions very diligently within the project and also outside of the project with any other you know projects or initiatives going on. Okay. I appreciate you for giving us uh, this bit of time. So is there any, any last uh, parting words you'd like to leave with the audience? I, I would encourage everyone not only to try and make genuine connections, but also to, uh, to be comfortable with change with getting out of their comfort zone uh, and, and to learn and you know for the podcast and your audience uh, it's a lot about successful you know delivery of change and, and transformation and I think that the technical skills are a great place to start but you do need a ton of leadership and, and people skills to do it successfully as well and that cannot be underestimated 
right? Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, all the best to you and, and, and to your uh, audience as well. Thank you so much. Right. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to episode 188 of the E-Success Methods Podcast. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap click done. If you have a question, comment, or advice, leave a note in the comment section or contact us directly. Feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at e-success-methods.com or on our website. We reply to all messages. If you heard something you like, share us with a friend or leave a review. Didn't like what you heard? Join our LinkedIn group. Tell us why. Don't forget you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. If you're not climbing up, you're falling down.